Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Good morning, church. Today we're going to be looking at how to be an encouragement to other people. Dear Holy Father, God, we thank you today, God, that we can be in your house to worship you. Lord, we thank you for the promises we find in your word. And Lord, may we never forget our job here on earth as believers in you. Lord, is to represent Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You know, in life, we all know that person that just makes us feel great, don't we? I mean, I can look over uh, auditorium here today and I can see many people who, I just see them and they just make me feel good. They're an encouragement to us. And we can all think of those people. I can remember years ago when I was a kid, me and my grandma would go to a certain restaurant. And there was a, a server there named Mabel. And she was just the sweetest lady. And everybody just loved Mabel. And I remember as a kid, you know, she'd make a big deal, you know, the kids there. And I remember going there and we always had to see her because she's just such an encouragement. And you know, the funny thing is today, to this day, I still see that restaurant where she's at all these years later. I still see it in a positive light because of her. Now, to contrast that, there are people in our lives that when we see them, Boy, they just discourage us. And we all have them because you're thinking about that person right now. <laughs> Got them right in their mind. I mean, they might be rude and mean and obnoxious. And boy, we just get around them and we just don't feel too good. And ooh, they represent themselves in such a negative light. I had a friend of mine a few weeks back that said, you got to try this new restaurant. It's really good. And it was a little bit out of the way, but I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I went there and I tried the restaurant and the food was really good. But one thing I noticed when I went there, there it was kind of an off hours and there wasn't a lot of people. And I went up to the counter. Now, if you're like me, I'm always really nice to people handling my food. <laughs> really nice. And so I walk up to the counter and I said, hey, how's it going today? And never been there before, didn't know this person from Adam, and, and literally says, what do you want? <laughs> Not a good start. Well, the food was good. But you know, when I think about that, I look back and I think, I have a negative opinion now, that restaurant, because of the way that that employee represented it. You know, just like Mabel represented the restaurant she was at in such a good light, he represented the restaurant that he worked at in a negative light. You know, you and I, we represent the places we work. We represent ourselves. We represent our families. But most importantly, as believers, we represent Jesus Christ. How are we showing him to the world? Are we showing Jesus like Mabel did in the best light possible? Or are we showing Jesus in a negative light? We are the ambassadors for Christ. It tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We are Christ's representatives. 
on this earth. We are the ones that uh, are shining the light on Jesus Christ. Now, Christians should make people feel great in their life. But you know, oftentimes that's not the case. If Christians don't make people feel great in their life, then why would anybody want what we have? If we're a person who's, who's rude and mean to other people, and we come across in such a negative way, then why would somebody look at us and say, boy, I really want what they have? I mean, I want that, I want that joy. I want that, that love that they have. It wouldn't happen. It would be like an anger management coach who was angry all the time. You wouldn't want to go to them. Truly, we need to understand that it's so important how we represent Christ in our life. We either encourage people to Jesus Christ or we discourage people away from Jesus Christ by being his representatives here on earth. Today, we're going to look at some tools of encouragement that you and I have so that we can encourage people to Christ and not discourage them away. Our passage today is found in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Now, Philippians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's the book of encouragement. And Paul had a lot of interesting things happen in the city of Philippi, where this church is located. We can remember Paul being jailed in Philippi and the adventure that he went on there. He had a lot of interesting adventures in Philippi. And a lot of reasons maybe to look at the city in a, in a bad light, but the church there shone so bright that Paul loved them so much. In fact, it was probably his, the favorite church that he had helped to start was the church at Philippi. It was a church that encouraged Paul all through his ministry. They were always there for him. He loved the church of Philippi, and he encouraged them. You know, encouragement often breeds more encouragement. Here you have this church that through all Paul's trials that he, that he had, through all the different places that he did, through being persecuted for preaching Christ, through being jailed through preaching Christ, Philippi was always there for him to encourage him. And Paul wrote this, this letter back to them as a way to encourage them. Encouragement often breeds more encouragement. In the first two verses, we see Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this book was written as a letter to the church at Philippi. But it was written under the inspiration of God. We know that. We, we see that in Scripture, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So this letter is inspired by God, not only to the people in Philippi, but to us today. This letter today is just as, as encouraging, is just as relevant to you and I. It was, you could say it was, in a sense, in an extension, it was written to you and I as the church of Christ Jesus. And we see that the first tool we have here in encouragement is God's word. What does Paul use? He uses God's very word and writes the inspired words to this church to encourage them. Oh, God's word is a great encouragement, isn't it? It's a great encouragement. Is it an encouragement that you and I use? Boy, when we're feeling depressed, when we're going through tough times, do we look at God's word for encouragement? 
If we're not using it, it's a tool that's there that's not being used. You know, oftentimes we would rather do things on our own, wouldn't we? We don't want to read the instruction manual. Guys have that problem. I remember a while back I was putting together a piece of furniture and I got, you know, I look at the picture. I can figure it out. I don't need to read step by step all these instructions. So I look at the picture, I put it together. And then at the end, there's a, there's a handful of little pieces that are left. And I wonder what these are. So I go back to the instruction manual and I read it. Oh, I better put those in. Those are pretty, those are pretty important. So I just want to encourage you on that. You know, it always seems like when you're putting something together, there's those extra pieces. And I used to think that they just put those in there just because. You know, as a suggestion. If you need it, so they, maybe they have some extra laying around the fact. They just threw it in there to look good. But they actually go to something if you read the instructions. Too many times we try to do it on our own without reading the instruction manual. And that's when we miss things. That's when we miss those pieces in our lives. We don't get everything put together just right because we weren't following the instructions. What does God's word do for us? It encourages us. When we read his word, it encourages us. It should fill us with hope. It should fill us with joy. But not only reading it, but memorizing it. You know what's so important? I remember as a kid, we used to, it was very popular to memorize scripture. And I'm so glad. I, I, today I think back on that and how important that was in my life to put God's word in our heart. It's so important. And you know, when you memorize those scripture, it'll come to you when you need it. Psalms 119.11, we know that verse, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How important it is to put God's word in our heart. But you got to put it in to get it out. When you're talking to that person who needs encouragement and you've put those, those scriptures in your heart and you're talking to them and all of a sudden something just comes to your mind. One of those scriptures just comes to your mind. Maybe it's that encouragement from Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Maybe it's the encouragement from Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That those encouragements, they come to your mind at the right time, but you've got to put them in. If you don't put the right tools in, then what happens is, is they're not there for you to use. You don't have that in your mind that, that the Holy Spirit can bring to you. And you miss that opportunity. And the tools are so important. Just imagine if you were framing a wall and uh, you had a, a pile of nails. You would need a hammer. Now I know people who don't use uh, tools. They call it misappropriation of tools. I know people who would use a wrench or whatever they could to nail that in. But you really need a hammer to do the job right. And so you go to your toolbox and you look in and there's no hammer. You don't have the tool for the job. Same thing is true of God's word when we don't put it in our heart. And we're in a situation where we, we need to encourage someone through God's word. We go to our toolbox and it's not there. God's word is so important. It's so important to read so it encourages us. It's so important to memorize so that in those times of needs, those verses can come to our mind and be an encouragement to us and to others. The second tool we see is in verse 3. And you know, a lot of times when we read God's word, 
We'll just skim over things. We'll read it and say, well, that's nice. Or a lot of times you'll read this. This opening here in Philippians is actually Paul's greeting. But there's so much that we can miss when we just skim over things. I think that verse 3 is some of the most beautiful words ever spoken in Scripture. Because it comes from the heart of a sincere person who sincerely loves this church. Paul writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Philippi, every time I think of you, when I'm sitting in a jail in some far off city, and I'm wondering, is this the end? Is this the time that I'm going to be, my life's going to be taken? I think of you, Philippi. I think of your encouragement. I think of your love. And I just thank God that you're there for me. I thank God for that encouragement. Oh, what would it be if someone said to you, they looked at you in the face and they said, boy, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. Such beautiful words. You know, that second tool we have in encouragement is our words. Words are so powerful. Words can build us up or words can tear down. Words can show love or they can show hate. Words can be a blessing or words can be a curse, but it's how we use our words. Words are so powerful. What did Jesus do with the woman at the well? He used words to encourage her. What did he do with his disciples? He used words to encourage them. Oh, our words are so important. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it tells us, Therefore, comfort... That word can also be interpreted encourage. Therefore, encourage yourself together. Encourage one another. Edify one another. Lift each other up. Even as you are doing. Encourage one another. Use your words to be an encouragement to somebody else. We never know what's going on in a person's life. We never know what those little words of encouragement, that little note that we write, we never know what it can do to a person. So many times when that person comes on our heart and we think about that person and we think, boy, I should give them a call. I truly believe that God's Spirit leads us many times. They put certain people on our hearts. And then what happens? So many times I, I, I've, I've called that person. They said, boy, I was just thinking about you. Or, boy, I'm so glad you called. Never take those God moments for granted. Always be led by the Spirit. Our words are powerful. And in the book of James, the third chapter, it tells us how powerful our words are. It talks about our tongue and how we use our tongue and what words we use in our tongue. And in verse 5 of chapter 3 of James, he writes, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts us great things. Behold, how great a little fire how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Our tongue is a powerful thing. Our tongue can oftentimes get us in trouble. Have, has your tongue ever got you in trouble in life? If you're married, it has. Our tongues get us in trouble sometimes. The words we speak get us in trouble sometimes. Sometimes the filter don't catch things. But James tells us that our words can be so destructive. We see the 
the terrible fires that are happening out west. I talked to someone in Seattle this week and they said to me, they said there, there were days when literally it just looked like the sky was black from the smoke that's going on there. And the destruction of how the earth is so scorched and it's just a terrible, terrible thing to see. How destructive a fire can be. And uh, James tells us, he says, our tongue is like that. Just like a fire, it can scorch a relationship. Just like a fire, it can, it can literally lay waste and scorch a marriage. It can scorch a friendship by the words we choose to use. How powerful our words can be. I heard a story some time back of a teacher that was teaching a young boy and uh, it had some problems with this young boy and in haste used the words and told this young man, you'll never be anything in your life. And you know, for 30 years of his life, that man believed those words. He would always go back to that when things weren't going well or when he had failures. He would always say, well, I guess I'm never going to be anything in my life. Until one day, he, he met a young lady, and he was married. And his father-in-law had a, had a great influence on his life. And he told his father-in-law that story, and his father-in-law looked at him, and he said, Son, you've been lied to. You've been lied to. That teacher lied to you when she said those words. But the most difficult part about that is, is not only were you lied to, but you believed it. And for 30 years, you've been believing that lie. It's time to stop believing a lie and get on with your life. You know, so many times you and I have believed a lie of what somebody has thought of us or what someone has said to us. And we believe that lie. And years and years go by and we still believe the lie. Today's the day when we need to stop believing the lies of what other people have said. Stop believing those words that aren't true and start living our life. The problem is not believing the lie, not hearing the lie and hearing the words, it's believing it. We need to stop believing it today. What does the Bible say in Psalms 139 and verse 14? It says, I will praise thee. God, I'll praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. In our life, we often see ourselves the opposite of what God sees us. We don't see ourselves as fearfully and wonderfully made. We listen to the opinions of others. We hear the negative words of others, and we believe that. But God says, let me tell you how I see you. I see you as something special. I see you as something that I uniquely created. And you're so wonderfully made. And I've got plans for you in your life. That's how God sees us. Those are the words that we need to believe. Oh, words are truly powerful. We often talk to people. And maybe they've had a relationship that hasn't went well. And so many times they say, I don't talk to that person anymore. I don't have anything to do with them. And it's always two reasons why. Either they did something to me or they said something to me. Oh, you can't believe what that person said to me. You can't believe the words that they spoke to me. And I will have nothing to do with them. 
Words are so powerful. Words can be a tool of encouragement or a tool of discouragement. In verse 4, we see the third tool that Paul gives us. It says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says there in verse 4, he says, I will always pray for you. Isn't it an encouragement when others pray for us? And you know they're praying for you. You feel those prayers when you're going through a difficulty, when you're going through an illness, when you're lifted up to God. Do we pray for others? Other, that is such a powerful tool to encourage others. I always encourage that when someone asks you to pray for a friend of theirs, get their name. Pray for their name. It's, it's not that God doesn't know who they are, but it's that it's so personal and powerful when we can pray for a specific name and a specific person. It's something that's personal to us. It's something that's important to us. C.S. Lewis, the great British uh, apologist, one of the great defenders of, of our faith, wrote beautiful words of, about prayer. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. So often, prayer will guide us to the solution that we never saw. Sometimes we start our prayers wanting to change God. We want to change his opinion. We want, we want God to see it our way. But God has different plans. And so in our prayers to change God, all of a sudden we're, uh, a door opens and we realize that God was really working on us. That God really had something better. What, what we thought was going to be great was not that good. But what God opened up was something special. So often our prayer changes us. And it changes those around us because when you tell someone, I'm truly praying for you, and, and then you see them a week later and you say, yeah, I've been praying for you. How's that going? Oh, how powerful that is. They realize, you know, somebody truly cares. They see and they say, this person, they're representing God in such a great light. Because they truly care. It's not, just, it's not just them saying they're going to do something. But they're actually doing it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Prayer is, uh, I look at it as a conversation, a conversation to God that we have all the time. And sometimes, you know, when I'm driving in a car, I, I love to take time to pray. And I pray out loud a lot of times. And it used to be that people thought you were crazy before cell phones. Who's he talking to? But see, now that we have cell phones, people just think you're talking to somebody else. So it actually works out pretty good. You turn up to a light and you're, you're praying, you're talking to God, and they look over and they think, oh, he's just talking to somebody on the phone. So they don't think you're crazy anymore. Truly, it's so important to have an ongoing conversation with God through our prayer, prayer. That's what guides us in our lives. You know, we, we think about Jesus. What did he do? So many times through scripture, what do, you, what do we find? 
that Jesus went alone and prayed. He prayed. Who did he pray for? He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for his ministry. He prayed for his friends. He prayed for the lost. Christ gives us an example of prayer and how important it was to take time out to be in prayer. You know, what does it do when we look to encourage others? What is through our words or prayer or God's word? It does a couple of things. It makes us realize in life that we're not alone. Sometimes, especially with what's been going on, uh, it, we feel somewhat isolated. But what encouragement does is it realizes that we're not alone in this fight. That we have brothers and sisters in Christ together with us to help us, to encourage us, to give us strength. We realize we're not alone. It also gives us a different perspective. Because maybe that person that we're encouraging, maybe, maybe we've been through something that they're going through. And we can give them a different perspective of what it looks like down the road to their problem. It also turns our focus from the problem to the solution. And there's power in having faith that a solution is going to come. The fourth tool we see in verse 7. It reads, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you, all in the bowels of Jesus Christ, all this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve all things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are Jesus Christ. Unto the glory and the praise of God. Paul was so encouraged by the actions of the people of the church of Philippi. We encourage people through our actions. Paul says, you know, I, I said all this stuff about you and I can say all this stuff about you because you have the actions to back up what you're saying. Not only are you saying that you're representatives of Christ, but I see it all over in the actions that you do. I've seen that example in my own life of where your, your actions of encouragement have kept me going and your help for me has kept me going. Oh, our actions are so critical. You can be the, person, the reason someone comes to Christ or you can be the reason that someone runs from Christ. I had a friend of mine that I had known for many years. I hadn't seen him for a long time. I ran into him not too long ago. And as I was talking to him, I, I said, where are you going to church now? And he says, I'm not going to church anymore. He says, I, I believe in God. But I tell you, he says, I was going through a rough time, and Christians, they turned their back on me. They lied about me. They walked away from me. And he says, I won't go back there. And I told him, I said, well, I know exactly what you mean. I said, because in my life, I've had times where Christians have turned their back on me. I've had times where they've lied about me. I've had times when they've walked away from me. But you know, I want to tell you, 
I've never had a time when Jesus Christ turned his back on me. Never had a time when Christ lied to me in his promises. I've never had a time when Jesus walked away from me. And I want to tell you, I worship Jesus. I don't worship other Christians. We worship God. We don't worship other Christians. And you know what? There are so many times that people will do things to you and they profess to be Christians and it hurts you. And we take it out on God. But we have to realize it's not him doing it. We have to separate that and understand that. So many people have walked away from the church, have walked away from Christ because of something that his followers do. Well, you know what? We are all imperfect. We are all going to hurt people. We are all going to do things and say things that we shouldn't because we're not perfect people. But Jesus Christ is perfect. The promises he gives us are perfect. And he's never going to walk away from you. He's never going to turn his back on you. He's always going to be there. Our actions are so powerful. Hebrews 10.23 talks about these promises. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. We always know that when Christ promises something, he's going to come through with the actions. Boy, Jesus' actions on the cross... His actions of overcoming the grave gives us hope. It gives us hope. They were the greatest actions in the history of this world. The actions that led to salvation. You know, the hope that we have. Hope's a powerful thing. Hope is what our faith is based on. We have a hope today in Jesus Christ. But it's not an unfounded hope. It's a hope that's built on his promises that we know are true. In verses 9 through 11, there were two thoughts that just come out of those verses to me as you read different commentaries. And the two thoughts I see that were so powerful were, Paul says, let true love flourish. Boy, when we have actions that are based on true love, we can't go wrong. But another thought that came out of that scripture, it says, make Jesus Christ attractive to all. Boy, isn't that our job? To make Christ attractive to those around us. Just like Mabel in that restaurant represented it so well, we need to represent Jesus Christ through our actions and represent him in the best light possible. Be the tool that encourages others. Don't be the tool that discourages others. Remember who we represent. Never think in life that your words don't matter. Never think in life that your prayers don't matter. Never think in life that your actions don't matter. You will never know the impact that they will have on those around you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are so thankful today, Lord, that we have your promises. And Lord, they're promises that you will keep. Lord, you've promised us so many things in our lives. And one of the promises that you've made to us, God, is that if we come to you as our Lord and our Savior, Lord, that you'll save us for all of eternity, that we can have heaven as our home.
Lord, you've promised that to us. And you promised that, that we will be your children. That you will protect us. That you will put our arms around us in the most difficult times. That you will encourage us. God, you've given us so many great tools of encouragement. To encourage ourselves, but also to encourage others, God. May our words be an encouragement. Lord, may our actions be an encouragement. May we pray for those in our lives and may we let them know that we're praying for them so that, Lord, you can shine so bright that people can only see your light. And in your precious name we pray. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his Son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.